listening to The Yarn, the number one wool industry podcast. I'm Ellie Bigwood. It's been a very interesting 12 to 18 months for the Australian wool market. We're now at the three-week recess and have just started the new selling season. So Marius Cumming caught up with AWI trade consultant Scott Carmody to get his view on how the market is looking. The market's outperformed what I thought, Marius. In September last year, I've been very hopeful of the market recovering, but in no way, shape or form had I thought the market was going to be sitting above 1,400 cents by you know, July 1 when we you know, started the new season. Um, you know, obviously, 858 was the value that you know, wool growers were not interested in and they weren't going to sell the wool there anyway. But you know, to recover back to you know, a closing level you know, of the break yesterday at 1428 is, in my opinion, it, it's a fantastic result. I mean, it can be better, absolutely. And will it be better? Mm. Well, I think we're in pretty negative retail situation at the moment and I think that can only improve too. So, you know... The upside, I believe, at the moment is quite good. Um, the weak start through that first part of the season last year sort of tempered down any willingness of both the, you know, the suppliers from the growing side and, and also the sellers on our side, you know, the trading side of the business. You know, it, it sort of stymied the market somewhat. But once that market started to shift upwards and, and started to move those 10s and 20s and 30s you know, daily, yeah, the market reacted beautifully, and you know, to add in you know 65% of value, you know, in um, Australian dollar terms in just nine months, it, the wool markets have outperformed themselves, in my opinion, and even better in US. We bang on about the US markets, but you know, when China's through the pandemic has taken you know upwards of 87% on some months of of our wool clip, and and they use uh, the US dollar to buy wool, the traders take more notice of, of the US dollar trends. Um, and they've seen similarly high you know, gains you know, from 6.30 lows back in September 2020. Um, and again, uh, you know, the value in US dollars has risen 70%. So you know, over that same nine-month period, a great result. And you know, this is during a season that provides us at auction um, around 1.5, 1.6 million bales um, sold. Yeah, when you compare that to a last season's total of 1.2 million bales, it, it's it's quite a you know 350,000 bales more has been sold um, at you know progressively higher rates. Yeah, I think 2020-21 season ended up being quite a better season than all imagined. And we're now sitting in a point where the micron differential is so interesting. Everything. 18 micron and finer is at a, above $20 Australian and uh, the differentiation between uh, super fine and fine and broader microns has, has really spread out. Why is that? There's a couple of reasons, but I think that, um, predominantly the Chinese now are very aware that the European manufacturers are facing a much worse situation during the pandemic than they were. So they saw an opportunity at the finer levels to actually get in there and get a few marks. You know, it's all about market share in any business. And so yarn makers and top makers that had never previously uh, on-sold their product anywhere other than likely domestically in China or you know, across the waters into Japan or Korea or, or some of the closer nations, they saw the opportunity and they've been actually garnering market share out of Italy and, and Germany and places like this where they, they are now selling wool top and wool yarns into those places. So that, that helped those finer microns stretch away. We're looking at about 30 to 35 cents per point of a micron. Now, unfortunately, or fortunately, whichever way you look at it, this coincided with the recovery in, in the season. So 
you know, the grow of production, unfortunately, has pushed that micron broader, um, making that even rarer at the finer end. So, you know, was, the increase in production, the increase in wool cut per head has been highlighted by the wool brokers as, as being a predominantly number one trait at ram sales and on-farm production. That's where they're heading. They, they, they want that larger animal for dual-purpose reasons. Um, and wool cutting reasons to make it a more profitable animal. So that's coincided with that broadening up of the micron, and that has seen the the the, yeah, the real push into widening those gaps of the, the price differentials between the obviously eighteen and a half and finer microns, but you know even extending out of nineteen nine and a half micron, you know, at thirty thirty five cents a point. Conversely, what this has done too is our production in those areas. We've actually increased our production of the broader wool, the, the medium merinos, the 20.5, 23.5 micron, back to where we used to be somewhat. Nowhere near the levels in volume, but the percentages now. Um, there's an additional you know, 38% availability of supply of those you know, um, microns. So we're looking at a higher supply volume, and, and you know, our premium market um, in Italy generally doesn't take too much of that type. Um, it's generally a, a, a domain of a, a more of a commodity. I hate using that term, but that's what it is. It's sort of a trader's type, that 9.5 and 21 and 22.6 microns. They are considered more of commodity types where, you know, you can buy them, buy the wool today at auction and, and have it sold in a week or two of ownership, whereas on a lot of the traditional finer wools, the 16.5 to 8.5 market, you generally have to, you know, buy and keep them for four to six weeks. They're not as easily saleable item. So, therefore, that has pushed more of our production into that broader area. And factories have to adjust. They've been used to selling, you know, during the drought years, the 9.5 and finer wools. Now they're just adjusting now to the 20 micron and broader types that are available in so much greater supply. So in my opinion, yeah, they're lagging a bit, just a, just a bit, but the heavier wool cut there would probably outperform Australian clean cents per kilogram values. So Scott, in terms of supply and demand for merino wools, are we in a balance now? Are we in an area around that $14 mark for the EMI where perhaps it can bounce around this level for a bit longer. How do you how do you see things rolling out in the next uh, few months? I think we've lived through a pretty negative period the last eighteen months, and to see the the growth in price, it helps a more positive outcome for wool, in my opinion. As the consumers, the people, the people that walk into shops and buy wool, I think. You know, with the shops being closed, they're not spending the money they used to, but the price is still growing. So I think the further we get out of this situation we're in at the moment, I can see a positivity coming in, you know, particularly in Europe, that's been probably the most negative of all of our markets. And you know, they'll usually take you know, upwards of 30% of the final product um, out of Australian wool. So once that opens up um, through the UK, Germany, France, Italy, all through those you know, good-spending nations. I can I can see it positively affecting the wool price, and I think hopefully um, I'd like to think of fourteen dollars as a baseline now, where we bounce upwards from it rather than probably head lower than this. But fourteen hundred, it's, it's a good price, but can it be better? I I'm thinking yes, it can. The vaccination programs in key markets uh, seem to have had a major impact. We've been reporting that the the March quarter in uh, in the UK sales are up seventeen percent. So. As people are, are getting vaccinated, 
people are getting married again, they're having major events again, and uh, they're meeting again. So therefore, they're wanting new clothing, and hopefully, wool is part of that decision. And I suppose, as as you've been saying, this is on the back of China being very much back to normal for some time. So, is that leading to your optimism for the next few months? I think all that vaccination programs and all that that is obviously allowing that opening up of the economy again. You know, we're a we're a luxury fibre. We're not we're not a baseline. We're not a cheap product. We we need that premium for our growers to be able to afford or or get the profitability out of that fibre that we need. And we need to be in that higher level of the retail environment, which we are. And that will come with the vaccinations. The more you know, countries that vaccinate and get up to that herd immunity, 70 or 80%, um, they'll open their shops and that will help us. On the negative side, we're hearing increasing concerns around shipping. So how is that affecting exporters, top makers, everyone else down the, the line? It's something that growers don't necessarily hear a lot about, but... It appears as though it's hanging over the market, this shipping concerns. And what, what is it? Yeah. Well, at the moment, we're looking at a... Well, it's a real thing that not as many vessels are on the water or available. The shipping companies are very tight with where they send their vessels at the moment and where they choose to. Obviously, China is at the epicentre of all this shipping movement, seeing that they basically now control a lot of the world's exports you know, and have the product. So... What is happening in Australia is there's a bit of delay out of the Melbourne port and when exporters put wools together, they generally like to include a, you know, a component of that if you're selling two containers, one container out of Melbourne and one out of Fremantle or Sydney and that's why they put their orders, their 28-tonne orders together. So what's happening is a three-week delay basically out of Melbourne port. The other two ports are generally running around that COVID level, as I would say, since COVID, they're two to three weeks delays. So... Any exporter at the moment, they're factoring in an additional three weeks of finance delay or shipping time. So instead of if you're dealing with a Chinese delivery, you would have factored in pre-COVID five to six weeks of actually shipping the wool, getting paid for it and having the money returned to your bank account. So now these traders are saying this period is now extended that nine, 10, 11 weeks. The bail conditions is based around now bill of lading date. So... Any exporter, doesn't matter what game you're in, won't get paid until that bill of lading's hit. But that's delayed two, three, four weeks. Well, that just ties everyone's thumbs up. And um, I think most of the, you know, the wool trading companies that they've managed this and they've got it down pretty well at the moment. We've been been dealing with it, you know, now for 18 months. And I think, you know, looking at the auction figures and the the exporters, you know, on those lists, I think they've managed it quite well. And the percentages are roughly the same, you know, pre the you know, two, three, four-week additionals. So, you know, I think finance has been sorted and shipping is now. You know, instead of having wool bought today and expecting to be shipped next week, well, you buy it today and expect to be shipped in, you know, three or four weeks. It's quite amazing how complicated it is when you when you talk about shipping and the logistics around raw wool and treated wool and what have you. It's uh, it's an amazingly long supply chain, isn't it? But given, given that... Um, WoolQ is trying to shorten the supply chain in terms of information. Where do you see WoolQ at? We've discussed it with Stephen Hill recently, but from your point of view, someone who's actually in the sale room, who's buying wool all the time, what's your view of where WoolQ sits at the moment? I think any sort of um, trader in, in Australian wool would say, if you ask them a question, 
will will like eventually be traded electronically? I think I think it'd be a, a resounding yes. The facility for wool to be sold under a bar room yelling at each other at the moment is currently the, the method of choice, and we have to deal with that. But I think. The more avenues like WoolCube, where we can sit in front of the screen and purchase that wool, and yeah, I'm all for it. And um, that sort of system with WoolQ's got at the moment, it's, it's a good system. It sells wool. It's a very effective means of selling wool, and, it, and it's strategic. It's very grower-orientated that they can then take a little bit of control over their, their sale of their wool and provide more information on their wool clip, which is, which is getting more and more important. The consumer is wanting to know that story of wool and where it's come from and how it's produced. So Scott, whilst the Merinos have bounced well and hopefully have a good future into the short and medium term in terms of price, crossbred wools have been in the doldrums for a long time and uh, what's your view on that? Obviously the crossbred market, there's, there's a lot of global supply of, of those competing against our, our we're, we're a very small market crossbred wool, even though it's the latest figures show that you know wools around that 24 micron and broader in Australia yeah, you know, they make up a very 0.9% of our wool clip. So you're looking at a crossbred wool between 250 to 500 cents, you know, for anything 28 and broader at the moment. And, and that's that's not, you know, barely covering shearing costs and a little bit there, which is quite disappointing. But we, we're getting more and more wools pushing down that finer crossbred between 26 and 30 micron that are, you know, having some, you know, uh, composite breed put across them. So we, we're not quite as easily pleasing to the world as what we were, um, but we still have that premium market in that 28 micron area for crossbreds. So we just struggle a little bit with price at the moment. We can uh, see a positivity coming back. If these bulls bounce around, they bounce, you know, percentage-wise quite significantly. So um, hopefully that can continue and we can help those growers of those broader crossbred bulls um, recover a bit of their shearing costs and production costs. You know, that, that all helps and it's all wool and these wools make some beautiful coats that you know, help for quite a deal of money when there's retail operations as normal. Sort of summing things up, Scott, uh, you, you've said over the last 18 months we've sort of realised that how reliant we are on China and, and the V-shaped recovery for wool out of COVID has been quite dramatic, thanks to China by the sound of it, mostly because uh, their economy was chugging along very quickly post-COVID and they were the first to, to go in and the first to come out. But in the meantime, it sounds like you're saying that supply and demand for merinos, uh, merino wools is relatively uh, in balance despite some headwinds with shipping. The crossbred wools appear to be rather oversupplied and we're very much a drop in the bucket, I suppose, in terms of uh, global supply of crossbred wool. But it sounds like you're fairly bullish about the future for wool and particularly finer wool. Yeah, bearing in mind that wool guys are generally the worst judges of where the market goes, yeah, we're very bullish. Um, the simple fact that, you know, in a normal, and I hate using that word, normal situation, Europe uses 30% of their wool at the moment. They're not even getting 10. You add that back in to any, you know, I don't care whether you're selling eggs or wool or bacon, whatever you're doing. Once we, you know, if we can add a dollar, dollar fifty back to this market, well, you know, I think, I think that's, that's where we will bound around. And, um, you know, that's not a big ask. It's just a little of competition returning to the marketplace. And hopefully those prices will you know, continue the trend that they have done since September last year and, and trend up upwards, you know, to, now retain our growers and actually you know, show improvement in people wanting to grow our fibre. 
Fantastic, Scott. Well, look, it's always a pleasure to hear what you have to say because uh, you articulate things well and, and you're very much in the, uh, uh, the cut and thrust of the market. So as usual, thank you very much for your, your input and thanks for having a yarn with us. Thanks, Mark. If you'd like regular updates on the wool market, AWI has daily, weekly and monthly wool market information for wool growers at wool.com forward slash market dash intelligence, where you can also view the eastern and western market indicators, micron prices, offerings and forecasts, all the good stuff. AWI are on Facebook, Twitter at Wool Innovation and Instagram at Australian Wool. I'm Ellie Bigwood. Thanks so much for your company and see you soon for another yarn.